Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Psychology 360 podcast. Today, it is my immense pleasure and honor to have with me Dr. Edith Egger, uh, who is a best-selling author, uh, a Holocaust survivor who has an incredible uh, life journey and experience to, to tell the world and to inspire uh, people all around. And I would just like to um, let you uh, give your, your, uh, your little intro as well, as I always do. Yes, I'm Dr. Edith Eva Eager. Um, what can I tell you? I just celebrated my 93rd birthday. Wow. I don't have any problem with the numbers. It's going to happen anyway. It's all about our attitude. And I never felt younger. I think you have to be old to be young because I give up my need for other people's approval any kind of perfectionism. I acknowledge that I'm limited, I'm human, I make mistakes and it's a wonderful, wonderful, I cannot tell you how grateful I am to be alive. Not only that I was saved, but I'm able to hopefully save other people's lives as well. For, for those who are only seeing or listening to this on the audio, Dr. Edgar at, at 90 years old looks uh, absolutely amazing. And with the life experiences and journey that she's had, it's, it's quite remarkable in my view. And today I would, I would like to speak to you and, and interview on you on your new book, as well as some of your experiences and how you've transformed the pain the, the trauma, the suffering into resilience and into inspiration for others and how you were able to maybe transform their, something that could have been turned into resentment into something so constructive. I think it's up to us to acknowledge that what we think we create. So if you tell yourself, yesterday I had someone here and told me that she's broken and she's broken. You know, she gives herself this label. And then, of course, you always find what you look for. It's called a negative self-fulfilling prophecy. So I asked you to think about your thinking. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes, absolutely. Because remember, when you think that you are a very special, one-of-a-kind, unique, authentic human being, then you really are acknowledging that because that is the truth. There never be another you. And love is not what you feel, is what you do. So I hope that you commit yourself to speak up and see what one person can make a difference. And all I can think of is when I was in South Africa, I spoke at the Museum of Gandhi, recognizing that one person was able to bring down the whole British Empire to their knees without any bloodshed. So I am for things, not against. 
I'm for uniting, I'm for discovering that we are special one-of-a-kind diamonds and we can empower each other with our differences. We can cooperate rather than uh, compete or dominate. And so that's why I am I'm here talking to you and I love Prague and I love Abshawazazaline <laughs> and I love the Czech people during the war. They were the most beautiful people who saved a lot of lives. And uh, I am just very grateful to talk to you from yeah. Prague. I wish I would be there. Yes. I wish I would be there with you in person. Yeah, it would be great to have you in the studio, but it's such an immense uh, like honor for me to have you. And I've gathered so much uh, wisdom from what you say, because um, I think that we have this notion of being against or resisting, whereas the real change, as you mentioned, comes from uh, being the best we can be or acknowledging from what yes. I understand you said, like, you know, the, the possibility that we have. And I, I, I gather even like parts of religious uh, wisdom in some way that, you know, we have the unit where the, the, the microcosm of the great of the of the universe and we are in the image of God if for those who believe. Um, you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned your connection, of course, to uh, Central Europe. You you are originally uh, Hungarian. Hungarian, yeah. So yes, and uh, and Hungary uh, is uh, a place where I was with Philip Zimbardo a couple okay. of years ago. It was a wonderful experience. He introduced me and we talked about, as he puts it, what happens when good people do bad things. We're not born with hate, you know. We're not born with judgment. We learn it. And what you learned, you can unlearn. And I think it's a good time now that we are locked up and with COVID-19, it's a good time to regroup and take time out to take stock of yourself. I know, how do you want to be remembered? What kind of life do you lead? And uh, believing is one thing, but uh, many people tell me, I believe, I believe, I believe, but I wanna know what kind of life you lead. And yeah. I think this is a good time for families to make new rules, to everybody is going to maybe cook one day a week or just to have a teamwork that nobody is free without responsibility. Yeah, those are, those are great points. And I think that indeed we find ourselves in this extraordinary situation with uh, the COVID yeah. crisis that is uh, also yes. bringing a lot of people to re-examine themselves, re-examine their values, things that thought were immediate. What am I doing now? Yes, yes. Yes, I it's think. so beautiful. I think it's, it's good, just like in football, there is time out, and mm -hmm. this is time out, but not coming back to have a new beginning, mm -hmm. a rebirth, a renaissance, that yeah. you give birth to the you, the genuine you, because there is such a thing as an ego, and yes. the ego is our our false self. 
Why? Because it is the image of us that we portray. At, at my age, I am totally what I present to you off stage or on stage. I don't have to improve in any way other than learning from others and learning how we can really truly listen compassionately to each other rather than criticizing. And I think that this is a good time for us to hold hand in hand and create a human family so we can finally survive. Yeah, and what you're saying is, is, um, is quite, I mean, it, for me, from hearing that, it's something that requires a leap of courage uh, because ultimately yeah. you're describing authenticity, you're describing a state of consciousness that requires us to expose our vulnerabilities as well, to say, this yeah. is who I am, and please be, you know, show that back and have a common sense of humanity that we can reach out to. And I think that is crucial and, and very important. And very important. There is no intimacy without vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, think about that especially you know in marriage it doesn't mean i tell you everything about me and you tell me everything about you no i i don't belong to you i belong to me and i have a part of my life that uh, i don't have to really be asked uh, because because you respect me for who i am and not to think that uh, you have the right actually to put me on a witness stand and then make a judgment about me. I hope that we can really respect each other's privacy and not to really think that you are uh, somebody who, who, who is not perfect. No, none of us are perfect. And I think it's very good to acknowledge that perfectionism also leads to procrastination. Mm. When I talk to teenagers, I tell them, you know, to, I have a suggestion and they tell me it's a good idea and I'm going to do it. But you know what? They're, they're gonna do it, but they never are doing it. They procrastinate. So I think it's important to acknowledge if you have perfectionism, you want to do everything right, which means never. Why? Because we're human. We cannot compete with God. So we do what's humanly possible, and then we hand it over. Yes, that's that's a great advice, and I didn't uh, think about it that way, but it makes total sense for someone. We need to accept ourselves, accept others, accept the faults of ourselves and ultimately of others. Um, but... What, what I want to touch upon as well um, is your experience in the, in the camps in the, during the, the Shoah. I mean, it's, it's something that for me is incredibly remarkable, the fact that you've come out of that and you are 90 years old and you are basically defying what for many people would be uh, intuitive that, you know, somebody who's seen the horror 
and um, you know, seeing the worst side of human nature would be at uh, espouse such a positive message of humanity. Because I can imagine that the opposite would also be true with many survivors maybe having some kind of resentment and anger built, uh, built up. Um, I think today I like to suggest <clears throat> that you get rid of two things. And one is in the past called guilt, because I cannot change the past. Mm -hmm. What I could have done, I would have done it. But at the time with the information I had, I did the best I could. So I hope that you can forgive yourself that you're human, you did the best you could and and see how you can just uh, acknowledge that, yes, if you knew then what you know now, obviously you would have done things differently. My parents had tickets to come to America and they never thought there was such a thing coming. The other thing I like you to get rid of is in the future and that's uh, worry. People mm -hmm. worry a great deal not realizing that worry is the most neurotic, unfortunate thing that, that people think, especially mothers, if they worry, they think they are going to really, <laughs> um, other people will, um, will get better. It's not true at all. And so get rid of guilt and get rid of worry and live in a present because I can only touch you now. Mm, yeah, that's beautifully said. And, and indeed, I guess worry for many people gives them a, a false sense of control, right? That the, it's impacting the situation yeah. maybe in a yeah. positive way, as you, you said. Think a good no, worry, worry will not get other people better. I think uh, it's very important, especially for us parents to be role models to our children because children don't do what we say, they do what they see. Yes. I think I as parents never yell at each other, never raise your voice. And anger is not a primary emotion. There are a lot of other emotions underneath the anger and most of it is fear. Yes. The biggest fear of a child, the biggest fear of a child is the fear of abandonment. And I think we need to kind of write down all our fears and then see how you can replace it with something because the anxiety attack is not really real at all, but you are thinking very anxiously. And that's why it's important when you change your thinking, you can change actually the course of your life. Yes, indeed. Yes. And this is a powerful message of psychology. And um, well, what, what I wanted to also uh, touch upon was in terms of historical knowledge, it seems that um, Today, many young people are a bit ignorant about uh, what happened uh, during World War II, what happened with the Holocaust. I mean, in, 
in, uh, in Europe. I, I often uh, do a yearly uh, seminar about, um, in Terezin actually, Terezin stuff, which was one of the- Yes, Terezin, that, that was the mother camp, yeah. uh, telling the world that the Jews really have it good. Yeah. And, uh, and many people went, unfortunately, from Terezinstadt to Auschwitz. Yes. And uh, so I'd like to tell you that uh, we, we are here now. And the question is, not why me, but what now? So what now? because I can only touch you now. So if you have any secrets, remember the opposite of depression is expression. What comes out of your body doesn't make you ill. So this is a good time for people to, to be born again, to be born free with joy and passion and um, purpose in life. This is a good time. This is a good time to really not go back, but have a new beginning. Yeah. So you tell your loved one that you're ready to have a love affair and you want to have it with that person that it's good. It's good to ask for what you want. It doesn't mean you're going to get it. So what you need to learn is how to negotiate and compromise. It's never going to be 100%. You know, we, we, we had to do that in Auschwitz. We had to negotiate how we can form a family of inmates, how we could really care for one another. If you were only for the me, 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 you didn't make it. I remember I had a beautiful girl from Yugoslavia, and we told each other how we love our country. She was a very proud Yugoslavian, and I was a very proud Hungarian. I was a dancer. I danced for the president. Horthy came to my city. And uh, but she told me one day that we're going to be liberated by Christmas. Mm. And Christmas came. And Christmas went, and we were not liberated. And she died. She lost hope. So what do we Yes. It's, it's very, very important to see that many times victims can become a rigid thinker, all or nothing, or black and white. I think it's very important to avoid that kind of rigidity and be more flexible. And, and that's what happened when I was 16 years old, I told people that if I survive today, then tomorrow I'm going to see my boyfriend. Because my boyfriend told me I have beautiful eyes and beautiful hands. And I was just kind of looking at my hand and asking other people, tell me about my eyes. So I had hope in hopelessness. I was able to somehow dream that this is temporary and I can survive it. And turning the hate into pity, feeling sorry for the guards, that they were brainwashed, that they were brainwashed. 
And you know, Ahmadijidad said that the Holocaust didn't exist. Mm. And if you read Plato, it's very important. Plato tells you to think of a lie and it has to be a big one. Mm. And then you repeat it, repeat it until people believe it. So our biggest enemy is ignorance. Yes. You got to question authority. Don't ever blindly adhere to authority because the emperor has no clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's a great message. And uh, question authority and think, you know, think for yourself, try to think critically, uh, be, you know, be yeah. aware of our limitations. And, um, and yes, and, and indeed, one other thing that I always point out is the fact that, you know, as human beings, we we don't only have, you know, we're not pure good or pure bad. We have the immense potential to go either way. And unfortunately, often we're trying to be neutral, which is also, I don't know, sometimes it can work, but it sometimes it ends into coward, cowardice. So I would say that you, like, you know, anyone could have been in, the, in, in those camps as either the guard or the prisoner that potentially, you know, exactly. the, the ideology exactly. possessed you, yes. I was told every day that I'm never gonna get out of here alive. The only way I will get out of here as a corpse, that I'm subhuman, that I'm cancer to society. And I think my loving God guided me from hatred to pity. I felt so sorry for these guards wearing that uniform, throwing children in the gas chamber without even gassing them. How could anyone be so brainwashed? But you know, if I would have been born in Germany and I would have been told that today Germany and tomorrow the whole world, I probably would have admired Uncle Hitler too. Children are very impressionable. You got to think before you say anything. And if it's not kind, don't say it. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't grow on criticism. Don't say yes, but. Say yes, and. You, you can make a difference. You can make a difference. One person can make a difference. Not to be against, but to form a human family. And that's what gives me meaning in my life. That I get up in the morning and I'm waiting for someone to call me from Prague. And I can think about the memories I made eating Vepshavaz as a yes. in Prague. Oh, wow. Wonderful, wonderful people. And the music is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And Dvorak, Smetana. And my late husband was a uh, accountant, but he really wanted to be uh, an orchestra leader. And so he was always uh, talking to the, the orchestra in our city and telling uh, the conductor how to put Czech's music on the, on the program. And and the bartered bride, and you know there is just so much in um, in the Czech Republic yes. that um, 
and Howard, you know, was a kind of a Renaissance man, an artist, and a brilliant, brilliant, knowledgeable leader. So yeah. I have a lot of love, lot of love today that uh, you chose me to be interviewed. Well, I was, I, I was very, um, you know, I felt like very heartfelt gratitude to you as well and your assistant. And somehow this happened. We've managed to connect and I, I'm feeling really uh, quite a lot of emotions from this interview, from your wisdom and your immense, um, yeah, yeah, you just feel this heartfelt uh, presence that you've, you, you really are like, you've lived such a, such a rich life in terms of experiences that were terrible and then transforming. It's almost, in Prague is also the city was known as the city of alchemists. And uh, this is almost like an alchemy you've created to, to transform what you said, like this pain, mm -hmm. suffering and hatred into pity and compassion and, and a, a, a constructive way for people to unite rather than divide. And that's such a powerful message that you, you have. You know, suffering is feelings and without feelings, we just go through life. And uh, the more you suffer, the stronger you become. Mm. You, can, you can face anything in life. And I know that it's easier to die than to live. I was very suicidal after I was liberated because my parents are not coming back. The, the reality hits you and I didn't want to live any longer. And thank God, God told me that if I die, I will be a coward. But if I live, I will choose to be for life and for healing. And today, I'm Dr. Edith Eva Eager, and I see patients, and I let them know that they make a difference, mm -hmm. and everything is temporary. Yes, everything, everything is, temporary. Is, temporary. is temporary, and I'm at the evening time of my life, and every moment is precious. We don't appreciate sometimes what we have until we lose it. Yes, that's an unfortunate trait of human beings, isn't it? That's that's indeed we have we and this is something that 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 you mentioned also that I didn't really specify when we talked about COVID. It's like we get a taste of our finite self, right? Of our mortality. And that should wake us up to say, well, you know, we may not have so much time, even we know we don't know when we're gonna go. And so we may as well recognize it in ourselves and recognize it in others and try to make it uh, in, an enriching experience with whatever we have. And I'm glad you, I, I want to ask you this because uh, I did read The Choice and I, I was, um, I was uh, very moved also by the, the experiences you described after. So the transition from the liberation yeah. to going back with nothing. And I think a lot of people who uh, may only know a little bit about the, the Holocaust may not uh, recognize that aspect of it, that when people came out, they were, you know, they were basically without anything. And, um, and I wanted to ask you this, because you mentioned your belief, your faith in God, 
And I would say, you know, from reading experiences, speaking with survivors, I know that many lost faith in God or gave up their religion. And um, how did you maintain this, uh, this idea, this, this, this connection? Well, when people ask me, where was God in Auschwitz? Yes. My answer is that God was with me. Mm. God didn't kill my people. People did. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't blame God. God gave us the polarities, the choices. And it's up to us. You know, there is the thesis, the antithesis, but then there is the synthesis. And that's what I'm trying to do, to take the best of all possible world, because there is no freedom without responsibility. It's anarchy. So when we were liberated and people would go through the gate, pretty soon they came back. See, I was a good observer. I, I, I couldn't walk. I was really among the dead. And um, a few minutes and I wouldn't be here with you. But I think it's very important to acknowledge that um, Seligman talks about the learned helplessness. And I think that's so true. I worked with battered wives and the husband hits them and they leave and then they keep coming back. Why? Because he brainwashes his wife that without him, she's nothing. And she believes it. And she keeps going back to the husband who abuses her. I think it's very important because in my lifetime, if I would have said, I want to be a doctor, chances are they would have said it's because she couldn't find a husband. Mm. See, the goal is not to become a somebody, but for a boy, yes. Mm-hmm. For me to find somebody you know, like a pretty fruit uh, on a shelf. And then then I go from my father to the husband, not realizing that I could also go to medical school. So I like the modern marriage because that woman is working alongside with the husband. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a lot to be said that uh, we are now asked to work as a team and not to compete or dominate. And people who survived were able to somehow have faith and finding some gift in everything. And I consider mine a chief from the past anymore. I kept it a secret when I came to America. Mm. I didn't speak a word of English, and I didn't want to be more weird than I already was. But thank God, I went back to school, and I graduated with honors. And and then I worked with Vietnam veterans and realized that I could take them further than I have gone myself. And I decided to go back to Auschwitz, and I asked my sister to come with me. And she told me that I'm a masochist, I'm, I'm an idiot. But to me, it really gave me a new beginning in my profession to hold your hand 
and revisit the places where you've been and even relive that experience, but you're not there, you're here with me. And I create that environment for you that you could feel any feelings without the fear of being judged. Mm -hmm. So this is really what I teach, to be a compassionate listener and not to deny someone else's truth. So if someone tells me the Holocaust didn't exist, I don't say you're wrong. I say you may consider finding possibly in a big city, a German consulate. And they will tell you, because the German people did fess up. And one of the largest Jewish population in Europe today is in Germany. Yeah. You got to give credit where credit is due. Absolutely, that's a great Hatred point. Hatred, never, or fear will never give love. Love and fear does not coexist. Yes, yes, indeed. So love conquers all. That, yeah, and my definition of love is the ability to let go. Hmm. And the Jewish people have Shiva, where you are given permission to grieve. And I think that's very important to allow yourself, give yourself permission for grieving, feeling, and healing. You cannot heal what you don't feel. Crying is very good because poisonous chemicals come out of your body and what comes out of your body will never make you ill what stays in there does. Yeah, it's a spirit. It's a so condition. share your secret. Yes, wow. And I have to say that indeed, like when if somebody makes a statement like that, the first reaction for people, especially who may have knowledge or have family that's, that's perished uh, or a survivor, I mean, that, that would be uh, the reaction would be anger. But you're saying that you are able to basically, you've integrated that process already. So you're able to give. And, and, and I think in your way, you're able to convince even more than if you had a angry reaction that said, no, you're, you're wrong. You're, and, and then even judging you're a bad person because you say that. So yes, that's, that's um, not the way to go at it. This is yeah. Um, there is no truth. It's all subjective. That is my truth and your truth. Um, what is important is uh, for me that I owe it to my parents to mm. tell people what happened. Yes. I consider it my duty so they didn't die in vain. Mm. And that's why as long as I live, I'm going to tell everyone what can happen when people are taught to hate. And there is no forgiveness without rage. You gotta go through the rage. Mm. I think that is most important, not to cover paprika with chocolate <laughs> or garlic with chocolate or anything. Uh, you know, 
it's very important not to say yes, but, yes, but, yes, but. No, yes, and, yes, and. Because it's easier to die than to live. That's a, yeah, that's a great statement. I will keep that. I really like the courage to live, the courage to go forward and face challenges and face one's pain. And um, yeah, yeah. I, I would say that's, that is, um, that is, that's quite, I mean, this in terms of um, psychologically speaking, this is uh, like perfect, in my opinion, because I also work with people. And I mean, if I could imagine like um, the ideal like uh, <clears throat> outcome, it would be being able to process these things. And one thing that you mentioned that I really liked was also this notion of uh, fear being uh, the, the real, let's say, baseline for, for anger. And I guess that's why we see very often people become very um, defensive of anger as if it was a virtue. And it's one of the few of these types of reactions where people say, oh, we have right, uh, you know, I have a righteous anger, I have a right to be angry. And partially that's true, but if that's the operating principle, we may lose other parts of it, right? Anger is okay. And you legitimize all that. I know you have the right to be angry. The question is how long you will hold on to it. Yeah. So, you know, I think in the Bible it said that you go through the valley of the shadow of death but you don't camp there. See, mm. I don't live in Auschwitz, but I don't fight it anymore. I don't run from it anymore. I consider it an opportunity to discover my inner resources that I never thought I had. So the more you are externally oriented and you're waiting for someone to come and liberate you, that's not going to happen. And that's why people gave up because nothing came from the outside. So the more dependency, the more depression, I guarantee you. And many people call it clinical depression when they really have unresolved grief that yet they have not revisited the places and acknowledge that it's easier to die than to live, that they had something in them that kept them alive and that is hope. Yes, yes, the, the hope and and this kind of optimism or, well, I don't even know yeah. if it was, was it optimism for you that you would eventually? It was, it was, it was the tremendous uh, ability to fantasize mm. that I will see I was in love I was 16 years old. So it's very important. You know, in love actually has nothing to do with love. It's a chemical high that lonely mm. people get from chocolate, you see? And it's very temporary. So, so don't get married to someone you're in love with because you, it's temporary. You want to marry your soulmate. Yes. That you spiritually empower each other. You empower each other's spirit. That yes. is 
with you when you are born and it's with you when you die. I have a tremendous ultimate spiritual um, part in me that I am knowing for sure that on my deathbed, I'm going to feel very happy, uh, not asking what the world has given me or why me. I would, I would think that I will, whenever it comes, I will be very happy on my deathbed. So the God that I cherish called love is uh, Tinkerbell, the free spirit mm -hmm. <laughs> that I, I can turn tragedy into some kind of an opportunity um, for growth. And that's why Viktor Frankl has given me the opportunity to really find the verbal capacity. But you know, he was a doctor, an yeah. MD in his studies, and I was 16. So we had a different mentality. Yeah, and Viktor Frankl, I was very familiar with his writings. I'm a, I was a huge fan. I read it. Yeah, I read his work much earlier than your work, but um, I, I was wondering. I know you 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 were in touch with him. You you were um, absolutely. I I am a <clears throat> diplomat in logotherapy, ah, okay. and that is the ex the existential, the phenomenological. Um, you see, we have genes. I cannot change that. Yes, and that is the environment, and then. I still have a choice not to react, but to respond to the yeah. other two. Yes. I remember there was a wonderful, lovely woman next to me in Auschwitz on the latrine. And she showed me, she found a mirror. I don't know how, where, mm. but few minutes later, she is telling me, we were all bored, you know. Yes. She says to me, I am Marie Antoinette in my boudoir. Isn't it wonderful that God gave us fantasies? Yes. See, during the day, I had to do what I was told to do. But at night, I would dream and dream and dream that I was in Budapest that I was a ballerina and I was at the Olympics, that, that no, no Nazi could rob me from my fantasy. Yeah, and so I think it's important to, to acknowledge that there are no problems, there are only challenges, there are no crises, there are only transitions. And this is a good time to have a transition that you become closer to each other, that you can really empower each other, that I can be I and you can be you. I invest, I want to invest my time to the young people because I think they are the future. They are the future leaders and peacemakers. I want to be a good role model to young people, never ever to give up. Yes, that's that's a, that's a great um, message also, and, and it's needed. This message of unity more than ever. Uh, I mean, I'm 
uh, quite disheartened. Very often I see also the situations that are happening in the United States. I saw a poll that came out the other day, which was uh, looking, asking people, both Democrats and Republicans, uh, questions related to accepting political violence. And there was a, a very disturbing trend that said, you know, like over 30% of each side was saying, yes, we do accept it. And I think that's very um, disheartening. And it, it calls for more of a message of unity and understanding the common similarities rather than differences and things that we can learn from each other, even from different points of views. So I think that's, that's what you're saying as well. Yes, I, violence is really not acceptable because violence breeds violence. And uh, I think it's important for us to put on the curiosity that really helped me in Auschwitz, not to ever give up and wanting to know what's gonna happen next. Be curious and that curiosity is very, very, very good to have around. I am very curious. I wanna know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know that I can only change today. Mm. I live in the present. I'm mm. hoping to be a role model that hurting another human being is not ever acceptable. Mm. Yes, that's, uh, I would say yes. I mean, unless it's self-defense, then, but in general, it's not acceptable. Well, you know, if someone tells me that, uh, again, you know, it didn't happen. And I'm just going to say, tell me about it. And, and mm -hmm. I would never deny, deny the truth. Yeah. See, you have your truth and I have my truth. It's all subjective. Okay. You truly, you, you believe that this, everyone has... So there is, would you say, this is a philosophical, would you say there is no great truth like with a big T? Oh, there is no truth in my thinking. It's all subjective. Okay. I was not, I was not born, <clears throat> but I tell you, it's easier to die than to live. Mm -hmm. And I carry the blood of my ancestors. Yes. I carry that blood because they didn't have it as good and they didn't give up. And I am very proud to carry that blood that no matter what happens, I'm going to look for the good in everything. I'm going to look for a gift in everything. And Auschwitz becomes an opportunity to discover my inner strength that no Nazi could ever take away from me. They yeah. could throw me in a gas chamber any minute. They told me I'm never going to get out of here alive. They took my blood very often and they told me 
to take my blood to aid the German soldiers. But I said to myself, you stupid idiot, my blood will never help you to win the war. You know, we had humor. Mm-hmm. We had humor, sarcasm, cynicism, um, they're not very good humor. Um, they call it girlo humor. Nevertheless, we were able to somehow still maintain the way we choose to not react, because when you react, you don't think. Yes. So I tell people to go see the Karate Kid. That's a very good movie. Mm. Remember that movie? Of course. Yes. Yeah, that the best power is brain power. Yeah, and what, what I was thinking when you were saying these things is you had, like, with this choice that you found, you found tremendous power, ultimately. Yeah. You found tremendous mastery. It's a mastery of yourself and even knowing things that you cannot change, but knowing that we always have this perceptual choice. You know, when you go to the 12-step program, they talk about, I think, uh, God give me the serenity to accept what I cannot change, to which I ask, namely other people, yes. and change what I give me the courage to change, namely myself and the wisdom to know the difference. Absolutely. The only one I can change is me. Don't try to change another person. Yeah, that can lead, that will lead to pain and disappointment um, for sure. But you can ask yourself, is this the best I can do? You can ask yourself, is this the best I can do? Yeah. And you may find out that's really not the best, that it goes from generation to generation to generation. So if your father was an alcoholic, you say, oh, I, you know, I, um, no, you, you don't have to be. Right. You can change. You can change you. You change the way you give birth to the you. Yes. That is a genuine yes. you. Yes, definitely. Are you a firstborn child? Me? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Are you married? Not yet. Not yet. If you marry a firstborn, you're going to have a power struggle because you're going to have two bosses. <laughs> yeah. But in yes, some... Yeah. We have the... Yeah. The most energy, they would say, from uh, we receive the most energy from our parents. Or that's maybe a superstition. But Yeah, but your parents uh, may have uh, chose each other. And then they realized that that's that I had faulty expectations. Mm. See, when we're in love, we love everything about that other person, everything. But when you live with them on a daily basis, you may find out that uh, you're not really respected as well as you were thought. Mm. 
You don't know how to negotiate. You don't know how to compromise. And I think it's very, very important for the children to have happy parents. Mm -hmm. And I pay a great deal of attention how the parents not to raise their voice and especially the father becomes a role model to the children, the way that parent treats their partner. Yeah, and yeah. by imitation, yes, you said. Now, I want to, we, we have a, a few more minutes and I really, I don't want to overdo it, but uh, I want to ask you, uh, since your new book, The Gift, uh, just came Thank out. You. Yes, I, I wanted yes. to ask you about it and what, what is it about? Because today we talked quite a, we talked about a lot of the concepts that are also in your book, The Choice, which was a beautiful book that I recommend all the listeners to, um, to check out. And what is the pretext and what is the, the theme of the gift? You know, my daughter calls it uh, Edeism. And one of the things is in the book, are you revolving or are you evolving? Mm. And that's why I read the butterfly, that yeah. life is about going through the metamorphosis, but then you shed the chrysalis, mm. that you don't have to do the same thing over and over again. You can look at the same thing from a different perspective. So you want to avoid not to be a victim. You want to avoid keeping your secrets because what you get out of your body will never make you ill. That you don't want to be rigid. You want to be flexible. Yes. Because whatever happened, you still made it. And of course, not to be judgmental. And most of all, finding hope in hopelessness. Mm -hmm. So um, um, I, I told you before that there is no forgiveness without rage. So anger is not the dirty word. It's how you channel it and how you use it and not to get addicted to it. To it. Mm -hmm. You can get addicted to anger and then you're just chronically angered, angry. But when you're angry, you're not really realizing that when I'm angry at you, you don't suffer, I do. Yeah. So you got to practice self-love, which is self-care, which is not narcissistic. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And, and I would say that um, this, this notion of addiction is really big because we don't only get addicted yeah. to drugs or to alcohol or to gambling, we get, we can get addicted to destructive situations. Yeah, or, or something like the feeling or yeah, definitely. And that's one thing I, I find stuck. stuck. And then you are stuck. And you know what, when you're stuck, you're constipated. And when you constipate, concentrate on a movement. Mm. So you're not revolving you, you don't justify your feeling. You realize that it's not the best way, that maybe there is not going back, but to learn and not to repeat it, that you 
actually many times stay where you are because the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. So anything new can be very scary. You have the fear of the unknown. Yes, yes. So you could, yes, definitely. And when I, I, when I was in Czechoslovakia, mm -hmm. after I was liberated, I, I had a car called an Opel, mm -hmm. and it was a stick shift. You know those cars? You have uh, a stick shift? Well, I drive the stick no, shift, but I, I don't know the I don't know that particular car. So what it is that when you drive the stick shift, it starts talking to you that you have to switch gears. Yes. When you have, you have to switch gears, you have to release the clutch. Mm -hmm. So you see, there there is no change without you giving up something. And you have to replace it with something else. Yeah. You can you cannot just let go of something unless you replace it with something else. Absolutely. So instead of being hopeless, instead of never, yeah, I always, I never do that. Get rid of always and never. Those are dead end words, absolutistic words, and just say up till now I did that. And now I'm going to make some Hungarian goulash. I'm going to have the rapture that you're willing to change gears, but then you have to give up something that may have worked for you. And now it's not really doing the justice as it did before. So you, you become your good parent. Yeah. You become a good mommy to you. Self-love, self-love is very important. You can't love anyone unless you love yourself. Great, yeah, great point. And so would you, would you characterize the gift if you had to synthesize, summarize, would you synthesize it as this, as this concept? Yes, I think you have to really look at the polarities that there is no summer without winter. There is no life without death. Um, and it's, it's look at look at those polarities and it's not all or nothing that is not a good survivor's mentality. Right. It's just really talking to yourself. The way you talk to yourself changes your whole body chemistry. Absolutely. The way you get up in the morning. Sorry. Yeah, the way you talk to yourself when you get up in the morning can make or break your day. Yes. And yeah. life is just one day, just one day. Mm. And I'm at the evening part of my life and you, wow, you're not even halfway done. Yeah, can we never know, but indeed. And and I would say that's one, one thing that I've heard from people like trauma group, groups of people who are overcoming trauma is this motto that you, you can be a victim or you can become a survivor. Yeah. And those are two very yeah. different things. And the difference is all about the mindset and the story, the narration that, that you tell, the new story that you tell, yeah. which isn't self-deception. It's a more constructive way. Yeah, because when you're a victim, 
you're always going to find the victimizer. Mm. And that happens in marriage a lot of the times. The victim becomes the victimizer. The victimizer, you know, it goes back and forth, back and forth. I think it's very, very important that there is no victim without the victimizer. Indeed. And that's a great, that's a great point. And I think that throughout the, tw the 20th century has taught us that, that we have, we've had the, you know, extreme, extreme political movements, the, the Nazis, mm -hmm. we've had the communists and all, and, and we've seen like at times even the, you know, the victim become the victimizer, as you, as you pointed out, and we all have the potential to do that. And the way I see it is that victims are weak and victimizers are strong. Mm. So part of the psyche will identify with the strong. And yes. we call it the Stockholm Syndrome. Yes. It's very important to see yesterday's victims becoming today's victimizers. Yes, great point. So, um, Dr. Agare, um, I think we're coming to an end. If you would just like to uh, give some closing thoughts and rec I would I will obviously recommend your, your book on the show notes and uh, give a link to your uh, page and your, your books to all the listeners. Would you like to give some thought? I would like to I would like to ask you uh, to read anything that you read, Anything you don't like in one book, you find in another book. So you see, I am for learning more. I'm curious and I hope that I give you that curiosity that helped me actually to pray for the guards, to not really hating them and to be able to let you know that uh, there is no love without hate, there is no summer without winter, that you look at those polarities in your life. If you were sexually abused, many women come to me and they tell me, and they say, I don't know how to tell you I was sexually abused because you were in Auschwitz. Mm -hmm. And my answer is, that you were more in prison than I was in Auschwitz because I knew the enemy. I'm gonna leave you with two questions. And one is, when did your childhood end? And you can be a very good facilitator with a group of men that you became mommy's little man because daddy was in the war sometimes and you liked it. You took the old ladies across the street but you didn't know that your childhood was taken away from you. Mm -hmm. And the second question, would you like to be married to you? And I think that that will do it because you want to marry yourself and give birth to the you that was meant to be. So I've been working uh, and becoming also a diplomat in sexology a long, long time ago, because I took care of the gay and lesbian population in the military. And most of them were high ranking military 
And guess what? Only I knew it. Nobody else did. Yeah. And, and, and we've come a long way, but believe me, I'm hoping that we can love each other, accept each other, and uh, respect each other, because there never ever be another you. God doesn't make junk. We were put here as a seed, and we're going to be very careful what we use for water. I have beautiful flowers that I got for my birthday. Mm. And if I don't water it, they're not going to live too long. So water your plant. You are beautiful. You're one of a kind diamond. And I love you very much and hope to be hoping that I can be a good role model to you how you can become a good mommy to you. Mm. God bless you. God Thank bless you. you, Dr. Agar. Thank you so much for being with me today. It was uh, quite a powerful and quite emotional interview for me. And for all the listeners, I will leave the books on the show notes. And thank you all for tuning in. <laughs>